Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome to SEC Fan Talk, the show by SEC fans for SEC fans and your source for all SEC news, stats, scores, and more. Want to be a guest host? Sign up today at secfantalk.com. And now for your host, Brandon Bird, Luke Alsup, and Brad Rush. Hey everyone, welcome to SEC Fan Talk, episode 10, hitting the Big Ten. It's week nine of the college football, week six of SEC. I want to send a big shout out to Mr. Wes Boker for re-recording our intro. Sounds fantastic. If you need something recorded or some photography done, hit Wes up. His um, Facebook and Instagram is at Wes Boker, that's B-O-W-K-E-R. Today's show is brought to you by the Hensley Group, Middle Tennessee's premier realtor and real estate investor. Whether you're buying or selling, don't waste time selling yourself short. Call the team that's ahead above the rest. Call the Hensley Group. As always, we have myself, Brandon Bird, Brad Rush, Luke Alsup, and our special guest today, Mr. Eric Hensley. How are all you guys doing this evening? Doing well. I'm ready to talk some uh, SEC football. For those of you who don't know Eric Hensley, other than being a full-time dad, full-time realtor, starting and running a successful business, his past includes a little bit of SEC football with Nashville's own Vanderbilt Commodores anchor down. (laughs) Before we get into that... (laughs) As the laughter starts with the anchor. Hey, I thought it was a good addition. Uh, I love some of their new schemes of their helmet design and and uniforms. 
we all know what all of us think about the, the let's not say the backroom facilities, the facilities that the fans see and bleachers and so forth. If they could just get that, uh, we've said that many a times on the show, if, if they could get that underway, they're an elite school uh, as far as academics and always in baseball and, and every once in a while in basketball. They put a little bit more money into it, uh, make it look a little bit more up to date, and the recruiting, That's you know, it'll help. Made, it'll yeah. give. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. I mean, why don't they just share the Nissan Stadium? I mean, that sounds like that'd be an upgrade. Yeah, the the school does not support any kind of athletics whatsoever. Baseball is the way it is because they have players like David Price come back and donate to the facilities. So the $40 million a year they get from SEC uh, with the media budget, I mean, do they really – I know that there's turf management as as far as the field goes, practice field, uh, keeping weight rooms up to date and, and, you know, trainers and everything as it should be. Do they dump the rest of the money in the football field? I'm sorry, in the baseball field? I don't think they do. I, I got to be honest. The uh, So Vanderbilt's one of the only schools that doesn't have an athletic director or actually athletic program. So they're actually a part of the school themselves. So when everybody says they're hiring an athletic director, it's actually not the truth because Vanderbilt does not have an athletic director. So all those wow. funds technically go into the school's fund. <laughs> mm, and they don't have any control over it when it gets there. Correct. Which is why the donations direct direct donations from student athletes that used to play there do go directly to the to the sport of their choosing mm. so each program has like their own individual funds to draw from right is that what you're saying like if they the the past um alumni donate to the baseball fund that's where the money stays it won't be disputed through not necessarily a fund as much as just somebody says hey look i'm giving you this much money for this specific thing Oh, okay. I got you. Yeah, but Vanderbilt is not a, not a, uh, they don't care as much about sports as most other SEC schools. They've definitely put their fair share of baseball players out and a couple of golfers coming out of there. They have, I think, found the right coach. I mean, Derek Mason is about as passionate as it gets about his team. He he puts up a good defense if, if they could just get a couple of assistant coaches underneath him um, and be able to recruit a little bit more. I mean, if you're going out recruiting about the only thing he has going for him is he can promise playing time as a freshman, but they can get a few things lined up. I think they could make a couple, you know, make a, make a couple runs. We'll start with our news. Our biggest news this week is Mr. Jalen Waddell, uh, six seconds into the Tennessee game, and he's out for the season. If you recall, guys, last week we said, in order for Alabama to go into the last part of the season and go into the college football playoffs, they cannot get hurt. They're already going through a daunting season, being all-conference, and no one needs to get hurt, of course, we have we have Jalen Waddle in the first six seconds go. Nick Saban has definitely said he will be out for the rest of the season. 
Ole Miss had one too with Jalen Jones out for the uh, season. He was a defensive back, and uh, that, that hurts. That hurts, especially with the amount of games that they both have left and the importance that each win uh, has. Of course, with Ole Miss, it doesn't really matter. Their chances of reaching a bowl are gone. And it's hard to win, to quote Mr. Lane Kiffin, it's hard to win when you're playing two teams with Auburn and the officials. Lane Kiffin was fined $25,000 for bashing the SEC officials when he was asked about it before he actually tweeted it out on Monday. This is what he had to say. Well, they said they did. So, you know, you don't really challenge anymore in college because they review everything supposedly. So there's no use of challenging because, you know, I go to the guy and he says they looked at it and said they didn't see anything. So even when they don't stop it, they're still looking. Now, why they didn't stop and look closer, I have no idea. You know, that's a, that's equivalent of a scoring play, which they stop all the time now forever, it feels like. So, I don't know. Someone said post-game that it looked like his finger definitely moved. You know, but whatever. Luke, we'll start with you. I know you've seen it. Did you see his finger move? I saw his finger move. You saw his finger move. The whole country <laughs> Charles saw seen it his move. finger move. Ray Charles saw that finger move. I mean, there you go. That's what I want. I, I mean, I, I just don't get it. I mean, I don't understand how Lane Kiffin gets fired for saying the truth. I mean, gets fined for saying the truth. I mean, nothing he said was false. However, he went about it is irregardless. I mean. And then, let's not forget, this is the third week in a row and that Auburn has gotten a call that just was blatantly won them the game. Um, two of those times it paid off. They tried to do it against South Carolina, but South Carolina was able to hold on to that game. But they did the exact same thing against Arkansas. And... Uh, you know, I, I just don't get it. And for one thing, it's making the conference look really bad. You know, it's it's like, so you're giving preferential, it's almost like they're giving preferential treatment to Auburn. And, you know, how do you not take a look at that? I mean, uh, um, who was it? Williams, I guess it was, that was returning returning the kick you could tell by his reaction that he knew he had touched the ball because he turned around and started sprinting towards it. And, and so for the referees to, to not take a look at that is just, it's, it's unbelievable. It's the 2020 craziness. It's, it's uh, all over the place in the locker rooms, uh, of course, preseason in training. Uh, This is just a weird season. And speaking of weird season, have y'all checked out the polls? Has, has, has anyone really paid attention to it? Of course, we know number one and two sit where they're at. Ohio State wins a game, and they automatically jump to number three from number five. Uh, Notre Dame stays. Uh, they, they drop to four. Georgia drops to five. And then some of this just makes no sense to me after you after you get scrolling on through the rest of that. Uh, one of them being Penn State. You're 0-1 in the Big Ten, and you're ranked 18th. How does this... After getting so, beat and by this week Indiana. They play, oh, 
they they remain ranked. This week they play Ohio State. What happens if they lose to Ohio State? Well, it was Ohio State. They're still a good team. Let's keep them ranked. It, it makes no sense to me. The the votes. Yeah, I mean they're still probably going to get keep keep them ranked even if they get beat by thirty points. I mean they just keep got beat by Indiana, who hasn't beat a, a ranked team in like eight years. I mean, how is that possible? I only thought Indiana played basketball. <laughs> I've got two more for you. Number twenty three and twenty four, Iowa State with a three and two record, Oklahoma. With a three and two record, both ranked. Don't forget about <laughs> USC. They don't have a they don't have a loss, but they also don't have a win either. At twenty first, they hadn't even played yet. They're zero and zero. Oh, I I guarantee you that Ole Miss would beat them. Either one of those two teams. And, Coastal and, Carolina coming in at twentieth. <laughs> it it's absolutely crazy. Uh, now Florida's Florida's been given a little advantage because they haven't been able to play. Uh, two weeks ago, last week with their bye week, so they still remained at ten, but ten with Florida, eight with Texas A and M, and then Georgia and Alabama. So that they're telling me that the middle of the pack of these SEC teams with one loss or two loss in an SEC conference, a the toughest conference in the nation, none of them deserve to be in the top twenty-five. Complete crap. Eric, what are your thoughts on that? Well, playing in the SEC is a little bit different, but uh, I mean, Penn State's still ranked after losing a game and Ohio State got ranked after not even playing. I mean, it doesn't make sense. So, I mean, things of that nature, but I think that the SEC as a whole, I mean, they're with the exception of maybe uh, Vanderbilt (laughs) and maybe Ole Miss this year should all be in the top 25 because they're playing in the hardest conference. They have the hardest schedule. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And anytime that you call into a radio show or, or listen to a radio show, you hear someone call in and they, they mention, you know, the SEC is the toughest and all these others, you know, that uh, we preach on this show with Clemson being the only one this year, what we're looking at right now, did the U used to be, a top-notch program, yes. Did Florida State used to be a top-notch program, yes. Did Nebraska used to be, a, yes. And as a Tennessee fan, I feel it, guys. I'm sorry for <laughs> you. I've gone through the, sh- the the rough times too. I understand, but let's be real. Didn't Tennessee used to be a good program too. Whom? I said Tennessee used to be a good program too. Exactly. I mean, when we're when we're talking mid nineties, late nineties, early two thousands, all of these, the ACC was packed. The SEC has always been, but ACC was packed. The Big Ten, there was a little bit. They were a little bit closer together as far as competition in each conference. And for the past ten years, uh, let's not go that far. Let's go five years. The past five years. It there is no comparison into strength of schedule between SEC and anyone else. With that bit of news done, we'll jump into last week's results. Uh, very easy week last week with only four games. We've already hinted 
uh, a little bit of the Auburn and SEC officials versus Ole Miss. Auburn pulling that out 35-28. Your man, your man there, Brad Rush, Mr. Bum Nix with his best game yet. He went 23 for 30, 238 yards and a touchdown. The big thing of him is no interceptions while Mr. Ole Miss Corral. Mr. Crow was 16 for 27, only 154 yards, a touchdown through two picks. Mm, hard to win with that. I couldn't imagine, you know, we, we know how our own fan base is for our respective college that we, that we follow. Um, I don't know a whole lot of people that follow Ole Miss, but can you imagine... If like let's say Tennessee and Pruitt's shape, if you're one and four this year, are is Ole Miss fans and Ole Miss faithful and alum already looking to replace him? Oh nah. Nah, absolutely not. I mean you you take that that one loss that they got cheated out of, you know, I mean, they won that game against Auburn. I mean they just they just got cheated and you know they've had to play they had to play Florida in week one which was ranked in the top five you know then then they had to play um Alabama a couple of weeks later and they hung toe to toe with Alabama for for basically four and three quarters quarters you know um and you know I'm it, when I look at Auburn, though, I mean, to me, they really should be one and four right now. I mean, they got gifted two games. That's all you can say about that. But, but, I mean, Ole Miss, they've got they've got something with Lane Kiffin, and you know, give him a year or two to actually get some good players in there. Um, he he's gonna he's gonna make Ole Miss a contender. In the West, uh, you know, is he going to put them in the contention of of Alabama? Probably not, but it wouldn't surprise me to see them beat Alabama um, a year or two down the road. To quote Mr. Nick Saban, it doesn't matter how you got there or how you didn't get there. When they look, everyone looks at the wins and loss column at the end of the season. And Kiffin is definitely a loser. <laughs> but you look at it this way. Oh, the, the, old, the old Miss fan base, so like, you know, they have all these statistics that after a Super Bowl, if it's a team, there's, a, there's like, there's so many babies that come out nine months later from celebrating. Old Miss hasn't got to do that since they signed Eli Manning back in the day. I guarantee there's going to be some Joey Freshwater babies come out nine months after the day that he got off that plane and was, Taking the picture, holding a little infant in his hand. <laughs> that's that's how happy Ole Miss Lane Kiffin is set for four years, no questions asked. Four questions, four years, no questions asked. Little babies in yoga pants. Yeah, look at the remainder of Ole Miss's schedule. You know, with the exception of Texas A and M, they they could go, they could win four out of their next five games. I mean, they could give some trouble to A and M too. I mean, A and M's defense is not stellar. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they could definitely they could definitely hang with uh with A and M, but uh, but you know they got you know LSU, Mississippi State, 
uh, Vanderbilt and South Carolina. Our next game, last week's CBS game of the week, we knew we knew what was going to happen. We were really close on some of the call. Hey, I picked Tennessee not to score a touchdown, just three field goals. Alabama 48, Tennessee 17. Mac what Jones. I, I will pull that up. Mac Jones going 25 for 31, 387 yards, while uh, Mr. JG was 13 for 24, 162 yards, but through two touchdowns. The third down conversion rates, still what they are, uh, absolutely nightmare for Tennessee this week. Eric, in your tenure at Vanderbilt, did you ever get to play Alabama? Uh, I did play Alabama. How much harder is the prep going into it? Is there a certain mindset that you have to go in? I mean, you you have to know deep in, it's, it's going to be one of the toughest games that you're going to face. And and how do you prep and, and how jacked are you the day of to even be on the field with them? So back when I played, I mean, Alabama wasn't what they are now, you know, and it was it, it just wasn't honestly, it wasn't the same. I mean, we we had a game where we were nine to six going into halftime against Alabama at Alabama. And so it just wasn't the same as what I feel like it would be now is. You know, they're a consistent number one team every single year for the past, what, eight years, seven years? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, so it's it's just, you know, in, in playing in the SEC and playing at that level, once you get there and you've been on the field, I think my first game I had that. And then each game after that, it doesn't necessarily dwindle, but it's not the same you know, as, hey, this is Alabama, it's you have to play like this is only Alabama. We have a chance to win. You always have to go into it thinking that you've got the opportunity to win. Do you feel that with Derek Mason at the helm now, you know, he he preaches and preaches, you know, he doesn't accept defeat. Um, he seems like a, a very, very positive coach. And – do you feel that he instills that into his players about, you know, you can win this game. It doesn't matter that it's Alabama. You can win this game, even given their 0-3 record. Yeah, so I I got to be honest. I, I mean, it's the same thing over and over at Vanderbilt, right? They get a defensive or a another coach that's been a, you know, assistant that's never been in a, a, a full-time uh, head coach, and it never turns out like they hope. You know, Bobby Johnson did a really good job when I was there because he had been a head coach before, right? Um, and then, you know, same thing. Franklin just used it as a stepping stone, but Franklin proved that with the right coach and the right players, you can win and have a nine-win season, almost a 10-win season at Vanderbilt, right? Yes, and ever since then, it's just not been the same. So, no, I, I do not think uh, that he has the ability to get Vanderbilt where they need to be. But Vanderbilt does not have uh, the the stones, I guess I, I would call it, to fire somebody and move on like a Tennessee, Alabama, Georgia would. Like, you know, if Alabama quit winning, do you think they would have any – you know, they would have no issues – 
with Fire and Saban in a heartbeat. Did it to Philip Fulmer. Yep. Philip Fulmer was one of the winningest coaches in history, right? And they fired him on a whim. <laughs> uh, you look at Mark Rick at, at Georgia. I mean, he, yeah. one of the best records as a head coach and gone. Vanderbilt's just not going to do that. They're – uh, whether it's afraid, don't care, call it what you want. Vanderbilt is not going to just kill a coach over, get rid of them as quickly as another SEC team would. And again, it boils down to does does the school or the program, you know, that's students, uh, faculty, everybody, you know, everybody, Vanderbilt's always everybody's second favorite school. Right. Whenever you talk to anybody, oh, I'll cheer for Vanderbilt after Alabama, after Tennessee. Right. It's always everybody's second favorite. And I feel like that's even how they treat it at the at the school. It's everybody's second favorite. And so with those types of attitudes and how they treat the school, they're never going to move forward past the, you know, unfortunately, second tier coaches. Until they start pumping the money that all that money that uh, SEC is giving them back into their football program. I mean, it, it seems to me like they they are completely indifferent of whether or not they win or not, you know, could but they're less. more the than happy to – they, Yeah, and then – but they're more than happy to collect the, you know, exor- exorbitant amount of money that the conference uh, is collectively giving them. Correct. That whole second uh, – choose them second i've i haven't even thought about that i myself will go play around to golf in full tennessee attire but my ball marker is vanderbilt <laughs> it <laughs> i mean it, it 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 really is a second you you go to them second you know i want them to succeed i keep up with them in baseball i keep up with them in basketball and football i just you know, and until they have a season, and if as uh, Derek Mace, I have one last question on this: is is if Derek Mason puts together a string of two or three seasons where they go to a bowl game, and someone calls from the American Athletic uh, Conference or Mountain West Conference or Sun Belt, one of these others, and offers them a, a position, does he take it? Does he leave in hopes to run a successful program in a less powerful conference? No. No, because no no coach that's going to be in the SEC is going to leave willingly for a non-SEC school. It's just not going to happen. Lane Kiffin. Getting, I mean, I'm not sure what he's getting paid, but you know, if you go to a non-SEC school, that salary gets cut real quick. It, and it does. And, yeah, and you bring it up, uh, Brad, you know, Kiffin goes to, what was it, USC at that point in time? You know yeah, he had still, to take they're a, still a powerhouse, yeah, well, that's his alma, alma mater, his dad coached there. I mean, I understood that. I was just saying that because I hate Lane Kiffin. But, um, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, what do you think, um, Eric? If say, say they did can him, I think Vanderbilt, the only way that he has, you get a successful coach is you have to take a shot in the dark, right? I mean, like, hope, hope, after, you, hope you land on another Franklin. You know, right. As they've seen, that's a 50-50 shot, right? One year you may get Franklin and you go nine and two, or you could get, uh, unfortunately, Derek Mason and you don't win more than three games. 
Yeah, and if you get another Franklin that gets you to nine wins and they're not willing to pay the money or pump the money back into the football program, they're not going to stay. No, and, and you know, everybody saw that Franklin was what he was, right? Like, he he came in, he had an attitude, he had what Vanderbilt has never had, and they thrived off of it, you know? And I went back around the program and some people liked Franklin and some people didn't. But, you know, it's kind of it's kind of like Tebow, right, back in the day. Like some people liked Tebow, some people didn't, but he won. Something about the guy, he won. Same thing with Franklin. Some liked him, some don't. A lot of Tennessee fans definitely didn't like him. But he won, right? I mean, he had some swagger and he put asses in the seats, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, they sold out. They sold out. <laughs> like, I mean, when I, I don't remember the last time that happened, except for when we were playing, uh, when, you know, MTSU, I think, I think Vanderbilt was five and oh, four and oh, and it was MTSU and Vanny and they sold, you know, they almost sold that game out. So there was some, and that was when Jay Cutler was playing. He, you know, he sold out as well then, but mm-hmm. since then, you know, then Franklin came in and they sold out. And, I mean, ticket sales have been down ever since. They always say if you didn't catch who's playing in Nashville, just look around for the other team's colors because there's more of them than there is black and gold. And it's sad. It's sad and, and can be fixed. And it, it brings up a topic that we had uh, called – we called an uh, audible bring up a random question that I do want to ask you after we hit this next game – past week Kentucky Mizzou Kentucky has looked hot defensively over the past couple weeks they did not however continue that trend in Missouri uh, Mr. Connor out there Basilac Mr. Brad right there I think I, I think I, I think I called that by the way I think I picked Missouri you did pick Missouri you said 28 14 you were you were close he uh, he continues to impress me. He went twenty one for thirty, two hundred and one yards, uh, zero interceptions, which is huge against Kentucky, as they have you know for the past couple of weeks come and gotten three or four from their opponents. Terry Wilson looked horrible, four for eleven, thirty eight yards in the air, and uh, back over to Mizzou is Larry Roundtree. He's hard to stop. An- another game with a hundred plus yards, two touchdowns. Uh, you know, Mizzou's, I, I said when they got rid of Barry Odom, how in the world are, are they going to look any better? How is someone going to come in and do this? You know, that, that was his school. And, you know, kudos. Kudos. And uh, they, they turned out and looked great. I've told you once and I'll tell you again, I'll pull for the devil before I will University of Kentucky. Yeah, that one kind of surprised me. Um, you know, maybe uh... – Maybe uh, Drinkwitz is – maybe he's got these kids to automatically, you know, go ahead and start buying into uh, his program. Um, in Kentucky, they I, – I really think that, that Terry Wilson, that they just need to go with Joey Gatewood for an entire game and see how he does, you know, at this point. <clears throat> I don't really see uh, – uh, I, I mean, Wilson has just been atrocious. And yeah, 
four for just the mere fact that he only threw the ball 11 times just goes to show you that they do not have faith in him as a passer and you know yeah kudos to to roundtree um you know he's enjoying his um his uh ninth year of eligibility at missouri (laughs) Um, uh, (laughs) i mean the guy seems like he's been there since uh you know 2010 so uh you know what's great about 2020 with 2020 it does not count against your eligibility so anyone whom chooses to come back next year comes on back i've heard they're going to take it away from garantano though i've heard through the grapevine that they might not allow garantano back next year that's just what i'm hearing on the streets roundtree uh hey you got some gray coming in you may want to color it they're going to know how long you've been yeah (laughs) yeah well, he'll be the uh, he'll be the best looking thirty three year old running back in the country in college. Yeah, in college. Yeah, yeah. C's equal degrees. C's <laughs> equal degrees. That last game of last week. It's weird just talking about four games. The last game of last week. Will Muschamp and his South Carolina Gamecocks really getting the doors blown off. We did not expect it. Both. Both Brad and myself picked South Carolina to win last week. Did not see Finley coming in, going 17 for 21, 265 yards, a pair of touchdowns. You know, Hill didn't look bad. He They matched it in the air. He did throw an interception. LSU had three different rushers with touchdowns. Three rushers with touchdowns. And two of the uh, two thrown touchdowns to uh, W.R. Marshall. And evidently, during their week off, uh, LSU had been doing a lot of study on film because Shai Smith only got two receptions for a total of 68 yards. One of those was a 34-yard. So they had him completely covered up. Brad, you you uh, you called it on the quarter, and you know, with uh, Brennan being out and Finley coming in. But man, does does Brennan need to watch his back? I mean, I, I think LSU's kind of the same turning point as Tennessee. They're at the point of the season now. It's like the I mean, these programs are ran as a business, right? So they're trying to bring in money for the program and recruit later down the road. It's time to develop your young talent because I mean, as bad as I hate to say it, it's time. It's I mean. Finley's the guy, you know, he's your future. So you need to, you need to invest in him, get him some, get him some reps. Obviously he can prove he can do it because South Carolina's defense is not the worst. Um, I mean, I think they're just at a turning point now where they're like, you know what? We just need to move on to the future. Sorry, man. We know you really wanted to be the quarterback for the Tigers forever, but it's time that we, I mean, we just, it's a business. We got to keep moving on. Luke, did the game shock you? And does Muschamp really need to start worrying? You know, they've a lot of schools have said and there's not going to be a coaching carousel this year. They're not going to get rid of anyone. But you you find yourself where you've been quarantined for a while. It's reaching the end of 2020. You're sick and tired of everything going on. If you're an athletic director, do you say this is our guy, or it's okay? Really, you've you've had your shot. Well, uh, you know, all the coaches have been at a disadvantage. Um, 
I think they're going to cut Muschamp some slack. Um, but uh, looking at his remainder of the season, he's got a good chance of winning three out of the next five games. But, um, uh, you know, the two that I think he's obviously going to lose is going to be Texas A&M um, and um, in Georgia. Now, if if he if if he gets beat by you know twenty four points by somebody like Missouri, then yeah, he's going to need to be worried about keeping his job. Or gets beat by by twenty four by Kentucky, that's gonna you know. Uh, I, I just don't think the fans in South Carolina they they've always been. Um, uh, swaying back and forth of whether or not they like Muschamp. Uh, you know, one week they love him, the next week they hate him. Um, but I, I think he holds on to his job this season. Um, uh, but he is probably on the shortest leash of any returning coach for next season. I agree with you. I definitely agree with you. It's also tough when you got a team like Clemson in your state too. I mean, that also makes you look bad when you're like, oh, Clemson's over is winning all the time. Why can't y'all do that? SEC, you're supposed to be able to recruit better anyway. But if they fire him, who, who's on the who's on the market? Nobody. Exactly. Exactly. Um, before we move into this week's games, we want to bring back around that audible question from a few weeks ago and get Eric's opinion on this. So the question was if if the SEC wanted to open up a spot by replacing somebody. We want to we want to drop one of the teams. Conversation was brought in about it being, you know, maybe the youngest that Missouri makes the conference look bad. Um beginning of the season we said Arkansas uh, could be it I think I was the one that picked out Arkansas because of their SEC record which they've completely turned around this year unexpectedly and then of course Vandy was thrown in the mix if you were to look at a team that maybe doesn't deserve over the past 10 years to be in the SEC and it open up a spot who would you get rid of and who would you like to see fill it so I think, you know, a lot of things come into play when you think about um, the SEC. So I think about it as a higher level, which is kind of odd. But the reason they brought Missouri in to begin with was so that the SEC could get the St. Louis market and television ratings. Don't know if you ever. Yep, I've heard that. So, yeah, I've heard that before. So that is why Missouri got brought in to begin with. So if you're going to get rid of somebody, so Nashville, you've kind of already got Tennessee, but Nashville's such a big market that you're probably not going to get rid of Vanderbilt anyways, because they bring a level of increase to the SEC for academics, right? So Missouri, yes, they, they seem like that might be the best option, but I think the option is you add two more teams and don't get rid of anybody. I think that's the next phase. I think I think that's the, you know, the next step, I guess you would say. 
But if you had to choose something, I definitely think Missouri is the one to go. And I think you bring in, a, you know, a, as big a television market, uh, you know, whether that's an Oklahoma, whether that's, a, you know, I don't know. I think Oklahoma probably fits the best out of anybody. Um, but just my two cents. We threw Virginia Tech around in the group, too, because they got the whole state of Virginia pretty much when it comes to football. Correct. And Virginia Tech could compete on a lower echelon. They don't, they're not going to bring a Clemson, right? Which would honestly would make the most sense, you know, uh, given its location, given its location. Correct. And powerhouse, right? I would love to see Clemson come in. I've said that before, even if it's just bring them in for a year. Hey, get me. Yeah. Give, give me them for a year. Let them, let them try out for a year. And when all the Clemson fans are begging for them to go back to ACC because uh, they can't compete with the SEC schedule, just let them go. We'll call them the new Notre Dame, bounce in and out of conference as they see necessary. I do hate Notre Dame. I do hate Notre Dame. I hate how they rank Notre Dame number four, and they're <laughs> terrible. He's <laughs> not wrong. Oh, crap. Everyone's playing conference only this year. What are we going to do? Hey, a- ACC, you want to let us let us in? Sure, it'll help our rankings. Helps the TV rank TV for sure because they got a national game every week. They really I, you, you got to give them that. The beginning and end of me watching a Notre Dame game consists of Rudy. I mean, I might watch. I might if there's nothing else on, you might watch kickoff. It's like watching a NASCAR race, right? You you watch kickoff, you you sleep through three quarters of it, and you wake up to watch the last three minutes. I watch Notre Dame almost every weekend because I'm gonna root for whoever they're playing. And don't get it twisted, NASCAR is my favorite sport, so I can knock it. You know what I'm saying? Listeners, if you want to see a funny image. Just stop by seccfantalk.com and check out the host section and uh, check out the picture there of Mr. Little Fleece Diaper Baby Jesus Brad Rush. <laughs> hey, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm like a, a Benjamin Button, you know, I just, I don't age. I age reversed. That is one glorious photo, my friend. <laughs> Week six, we get a little bit more games this week, um, being that only two teams are on a bye week. South Carolina, Tennessee. It's crazy that the spread for Tennessee is still plus 21. They're not even playing. How in the world does this happen? Crickets. Do y'all hear that? Crickets. I had, I had to check and make sure my, I had to make sure my mic wasn't muted. I was looking up, trying to find that daggum picture. I couldn't find it. <laughs> <laughs> So Tennessee is the twenty-one point favorite. Is that what you said? No, 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 no. The underdog, the spread plus twenty-one, and they're not even playing. Uh, oh. <laughs> Sorry, I just said I was looking at next week's schedule. There we, there we go, there we go. Now for for some editing for me to do, and I tell the listeners to go look up a picture, and Brad goes and looks for himself. Hey, sorry. I mean, I'm, I'm narcissistic. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Our first game is the noon game on SEC Network. The Georgia Bulldogs at Kentucky Wildcats. Kentucky the underdog by 15 on this one. I agree with that completely. I think Georgia blows them out of the water. And before we even get into any stats of how Georgia looks and Kentucky looks and all that other, 
I'm going to call Georgia to put up a, a cool 45-24 on them. Luke? Yeah. Uh, uh, well, I mean, this game's going to get ugly. Georgia, it, it, as bad as Kentucky's offense has looked, you know, I, I think they're going to be lucky to put up 17 points. Um, and, you know, on the other hand, Kentucky's defense has looked really good, but I don't think they're that good, um, especially going up against uh, uh, all the talent Georgia has. So, um, you know, I'm I'm picking this like a, a – like a, a 41 to 17 game. The only added points that I had on that thing was because I think Kentucky rebounds this week as far as interceptions. Stetson Bennett's known to throw a few during a game, right? And I think they take advantage of that. Yeah, I mean, that's that's very possible, um, it, especially if Bennett turns the ball over on their own side of the field. Now, I think if Bennett throws an interception, you know, deep into Kentucky territory, it's not going to be that big of a concern. Correct. Correct. Brad? See, uh, I mean, I can kind of see where y'all coming from with interceptions, but with that offensive line that Georgia's running with right now, I think they just hand the ball off to Mr. White and say, here you go, here you go. You just feed the man. You just feed the man. You give him – You give him. You know, chicken sandwiches, bam, 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 bam. Just give it to him. Um, Because Kentucky, I think their defense, I mean, obviously they were leading the what the whatever the nation or the SEC in picks, but, I mean, my sister could have caught those two picks Garantano threw. Um, so, I mean, it's not like they're jumping routes <laughs> and making miraculous catches. They're just getting it thrown and hitting in the chest. So I, I don't even think it's going to be close. Um I got it being uh, 35 10 dogs, um, two of my least favorite teams playing. So, uh, but I just, th- I just think they just, th- I mean, like I said, Stenson Bennett, he's uh, the, the hot topic word used to be back in the day. What was that? A uh, He was a system quarterback. So he just went out there and managed the offense, right? He, he does a pretty good job of it. He's not great. He's not awful. Um, if he does have a couple interceptions, like I said, I don't think it's going to be a big deal. It is, they just keep the ball on the ground with that offensive line, just push Kentucky around. And Eric, the Georgia and Kentucky game. Uh, I mean, definitely a blowout on Georgia's side. Uh, I mean, I think it could be as bad as, you know, 40-plus spread. Um, not sure exact score, but definitely Georgia blowout. Our second game, the 3.30 CBS game of the week. <laughs> LSU at at Auburn slash SEC officials. They're in Auburn <laughs> right now. <laughs> right now it is a underdog of Auburn by three. So they're saying this is going to be a close game. I I don't know. I don't. If if they do not have help, if everyone is is peering down on the officials and really, you know, everything's being scrutinized, everything under a, a microscope, they're gonna have to uh, they're gonna have to call a good game. There may be a lot more penalties in this game uh, because they're gonna be looked at. I'm still gonna I, I'm gonna go with LSU on the win. I just think it's gonna be a little higher. Um, 28 uh 17 LSU and we'll we'll 
switch back around and go to Eric on this? I mean, they neither one have looked very good, to be honest with you. Um, Auburn or LSU, I, I think LSU comes out the win um, on, on this game. You know, very probably low scoring game in my opinion. Twenty one, probably twenty one fourteen, something like that. And Brad. So I think a lot of it depends on the weather in this game. Is this going to be one that might be have some rain in the situation? I'm not sure. Um, I do know that Auburn has the best named running back in the nation right now, Tank Bigsby, by far the best running, the best name in maybe all of college football right now. He's put 432 yards up this year already on 74 attempts. That is pretty impressive. Um, a lot of it's going to also come back on Finley as a quarterback. I don't I haven't talked to my sources down in the bayou about Brennan if he's even if he's dressing if he's back. I don't know. I've got LSU because they know how to pronounce the word Jordan, not Jordan. Um I think it's uh a lot Auburn's defense has a has a big deal too. I mean they've allowed twenty five they're they're allowing about twenty five points a game right now. Um and LSU's allowing thirty. But Auburn's offense is not that good and LSU has they put up 42 points a game on average, and uh, Auburn's putting up 24. So I got LSU. I think it's going to be uh, – I mean, it could be close. I don't think it's going to be that close. I got it being uh, 28-14 Bengal Tigers, not the ones that have identity crisis, but they don't know if they're Eagles or Tigers. I don't know. The the War Eagle Tigers. <laughs> yeah, sure. Whatever. They're, they're, like I said, identity crisis. I don't know. Luke, what you got? Well, LSU really only has one thing that they're going to have to do in this game, and and that's going to be to stop Tank Bigsby, um, and <laughs> Clayton. Bigsby. You know that's that, that is going to be their their number one uh, concern, and um, you know, other than that, you know, uh, just put your best corner on Williams and. Um, you know, we, we know who their best corner is at LSU. There's no question about that. Uh, you know, just put Stingley on him, and, you know, they shouldn't have any problem with, with shutting down Auburn's offense. Um, I, I'm taking LSU uh, to win. I think this is going to be a, a, a 31-17 game. 31-17 for Luke's pick on that. Our next game, the 4 o'clock game on SEC Network. Vandy has the underdog by 17.5. Does does Joey Freshwater and his Rebels <laughs> come into Nashville and cover that? Or, you know, Vandy's had a, had a few weeks to rest. Do, do they put up some defensive stance and – you know, maybe catch Ole Miss um, off guard. And, and, you know, Vandy's known for it from time to time. Catch someone ill-prepared and take advantage of it. Uh, Eric, let's start with you. Uh, The short answer is no. (laughs) (laughs) So, Vanderbilt has got – so what did they have? They had 56 scholarship players in the last game. You know, they don't have the depth currently to even play ball. That's I believe that's why they had uh weren't playing the last couple of weeks. So 
Uh, no, I, I think Old Miss blows them out worse than a 17 uh, spread just because of the, like I said, they, they just don't have the players to compete. You know, they're on their second and third string players. Um, it's it's not going to be pretty, I do not think. You had to choose a score. What would you put that at? Uh, 45 to 7. <laughs> I mean, that's – I'm looking at the stats here. That's pretty good. Well, if you're looking at the stats, let's hear it. I mean, I don't want to hurt Eric's feelings, but I'm going to have to shoot him straight. So, Vandy's played three ball games. They're averaging eight points a game right now. They're allowing 33 points a game. <laughs> I'm I'm pretty close on my number. <laughs> I mean, the only thing they got going for them is that Ole Miss is allowing 44 points a game. But the total yards to date for the Vanderbilt total yards, they're averaging 256 yards a game. So that's not good. Um, Corral, he has he's like a flash in the pan kind of guy. He uh, he I, he has some Bo Nix tendencies, which means he has some Brett Favre tendencies, in my opinion. He likes to flip and fling it around everywhere. Thinks he can put it in places that it can't go. I mean, that's why he has nine interceptions on the season, but he has fourteen hundred yards. I, I mean, I don't think there's any other way around it. But Joey Freshwater rolls and and Vandy. And then you'll probably see him down at losers after the game. So if they want to go say what's up, go say what's up to him at losers. Um, <laughs> I mean, catch him I, the next morning at whatever uh, Gulch Yoga Studio is open. Yeah, hot yoga, of course, hot yoga. Um, I'm going to give him a little credit because Old Miss is off or defense stinks. Forty-five, fourteen, Rebels. Luke, go ahead. I'm, I'm, I'm with you guys. Uh, yeah, I, I will miss. I'm looking at them to, you know, have uh, – I, I think they're really, really pissed off about what happened last weekend. And uh, and I think they're unfortunately going to – unfortunately for Vandy, I think they're going to get it taken out on them. Um, so I'm looking at the at Joey Freshwater's gang to, to really dominate that game. Um and I'm I'm looking at a a 37 to 10 game. As much as I want to go for the hometown team, in week three I picked Vandy over South Carolina, and what a mistake that was! <laughs> I kind of have to lean with how I felt about Tennessee this past weekend. I don't think Vanderbilt is going to see the end zone. I do think that they'll put up nine points, however. Um, and I'm I'm going to go with a 35 on Mississippi. Which, our next one, you talk about a point spread. Mississippi State at Tuscaloosa and Alabama, the ESPN game at 7 o'clock. Bama with the favor by 31, uh, which... <laughs> I think I think it. they've <laughs> <That's> it, yeah. <laughs> I I don't even know. Let's let's just I'm gonna get mine out of the way with fifty two ten Bama and we'll go to Luke. Yeah, you kinda stole my thunder. I was gonna say fifty two ten myself, but I actually I'm gonna I'm gonna actually go up. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say fifty five ten. I think it might actually be worse than that. Um yeah, it it's gonna be a slaughter. I mean Honestly, 
I'm surprised this game isn't on the SEC alternate network. I don't know why ESPN. It's like you couldn't find a better game than this to show at 7 o'clock on ESPN. Uh, yeah, it's going to be ugly. Brad? I mean, come on, guys. If the University of Tennessee can put 17 points up on Alabama, oh, Mississippi, Mississippi State can do it too. I mean, by no means is this going to be a close ball game, but I mean, I don't know why I said that because freaking Mississippi State's averaging 18 points a game right now, but that's neither here nor there. Um, it's going to be a blowout. I think Alabama might do kind of what they did against Tennessee last week too. They got some reps in for the younger guys later on in the ball game, which is a smart move, um, especially when you know you got a big lead. Eh, but I'm I'm not going to watch the game if we're being honest. I'm I'm just not. I think 45. 17. Alabama, of course. <laughs> and Eric, what do you have on this one? So, uh, 31. Wow. Um, I think uh, Mississippi State gets absolutely obliterated. Um, I think they hang 50 on them. So, um, and I think the second string goes in at halftime. So, um, I do not, I do not think Mississippi state's going to be able to compete at all. Um, Mississippi state will score later in the second half when Alabama's third string is in. Um, but you know, that's, that's probably garbage times. It counts in Vegas. It counts in Vegas. (laughs) That's, that's (laughs) probably about it. Um, I'm, I'm going to say 49, to probably 17. Hey, I tell you what, on a side note, if uh, talking about quarterbacks, I had, I was a big, um, you know, I, I was really hesitant about Mac Jones, but man, you got to put him up there with Trevor Lawrence as far as, yeah, he's the real you know, deal. He's the yeah, real he deal. really the real deal. And, you know, Waddle going down is a, huge loss for Alabama but but he's got he's got weapons just all over the field I mean Mechie and you know it's just that that whole team is just losing Waddle yeah that's gonna hurt it's gonna hurt them when they go up against somebody like Clemson or Ohio State uh to have that kind of weapon not there uh but yeah Mac Jones is just I mean, that kid is on fire this year. Yeah, I mean, Mechie, Mechie's the workhorse. Waddle was the deep guy. Um, but you know how Alabama is. They can reload easy. Mechie last week stepped up and got seven receptions for 151 yards. Passing yards, Mac Jones, 1,905 for the season. Najee Harris has a workhorse with 595 rushing yards. Jalen Waddle had 500. Uh, 57 receiving yards they're just they're just built i mean what you call the truth Uh, they're just the truth Najee has 14 touchdowns guys i Mm. mean that's Mm. our 730 sec network game the arkansas at texas a&m with texas a&m favored by 11 We've talked about Texas A&M multiple times this season. The preseason uh, hype about them uh, possibly contending in the West, they just, <laughs> they'd just they show it one week and the next absolutely nothing at all. 
I think 11 points is about right, depending on what Arkansas's defense and if they can get some turnovers away. I'm going to I'm going to give it to Arkansas on this one and throw a a 35-28. We'll swap back around and start off with Eric on this one. So I I I think you're you're close on that, but I think I'm going to go the other direction. I think A&M edges Arkansas, I'm going to say 28-21. And Brad? So, <clears throat> you're kind of stealing my fire there, Bird, because I thought I'd be the only one dumb enough to pick Arkansas. As many times as I've told you I hate Woo Pig Suey. Um, I, think a, I think a lot of it's going to depend on Felipe Franks, though. Him being a veteran quarterback in a game like this might really might be able to pull Arkansas um, you know, through for the win. I'm going to pick Arkansas too. Um, Mond has not really impressed me that much. I mean, he's been, meh, you know, okay. He's not as good as what he's supposed to be. But he also doesn't have that much help around him. Spiller's thumb has come out to be a really good running back. Um, Smith, I mean, it, it's it's bad when a running back is leading in receptions and yardage on the year, though. That's just, I don't think that's good. Um I've got it 23-21 Razorbacks. Hey, uh, I mean, if if Arkansas is going to win, it's going to be in a close ball game. If Arkansas wins, it's got to be a close ball game. To bring in Luke on that, I I want you to start off, Luke, hearing the words that Felipe Franks is a veteran quarterback. I mean, Franks, Franks is a talented kid, and, you know, like I say, you know, you know, one out of five plays, he he's the best quarterback in the country, um, and uh, you know, Arkansas they've they've got a heck of a, I mean, they've got a pretty good team, and you know, Texas A and M, I still have my questions about them, uh, even after they they beat my boys, um, but. Uh, but yeah, I, I I think this is going to be a lot closer game, and I think they definitely cover the spread. Um, and, but I'm taking Texas A&M in a twenty-eight to twenty-four ball game. Good teams win, great teams cover. We fi- <laughs> we finally uh, get a little distance between us in the picks there, so that's that's going to be. <laughs> the interesting game of the week. Imagine that. We'll bring it down to the last game. Missouri at Florida, 730. This one's on SEC alternate for some reason. But an Alabama game. The With Florida favored by 13 and a half. Uh, Luke, it's your team. We'll start off with the Gator Lover. <laughs> Well, I tell you what, them not playing these last two weeks, the offense at Florida, they should have just relaxed. They should have just taken that two weeks and just, you know, they they didn't even need to show up to practice. But if their defense – Mullins lied. He held scrimmages the whole time. There wasn't a person sick on that team. He's like, we just got to get – we got to get this defense under control. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, that is – the. That is the one thing that they have to get under control. Um, 
going up against Missouri, the defense is not going to have to be stellar to to beat Missouri. Uh, the offense is going to be it's going to be fine. Um, I, I'm looking, I'm looking at Florida to to you know, kind of. I think the game might actually be close leading up to halftime, but I think Florida starts to pull away in the second half. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. Uh, let's see, I'm gonna go 31-20, Florida. Brad, what you got on this one? Mm, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, Luke, but you're wrong. A, a lot of I think Missouri has a real chance to win this ball game. Their offense has showed in the past that it is good. I don't know how to say the quarterback's name, but he's good. I mean, he's 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 put up 893 yards in nine out attempts. I mean, that's not the. I mean, Trask has only had 103 103 attempts and put 996 yards up. So he's not that far behind him. They don't really have the deep threat. They got Roundtree. If he shows up to play, we know that that Dagum Florida can't stop a cold. Their their defense is awful. I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be a touchdown. I think it's going to be twenty eight twenty one Missouri. Oh, hey, with as bad as Florida's defense has looked, that wouldn't surprise me. And Mister Hensley wrapping up the final game. Who do you have on the Missouri and Florida? Uh, I I think it's Florida. I don't think Missouri is going to be able to pull it out. Uh, I'd say. 35-21. So I I this is a rough one for me just because you know that Florida can put up 600 yards um of I'm sorry 400 yards of total offense or more uh, the, the you know the first game of the season with that big one. The problem is is that their defense allows it right back at them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do get equal playing times on the field so everyone gets rested up. Uh I'm still going to pull I'm I'm going to say Florida on this one but a 35-28 uh on that final. Yeah, I mean Missouri's going to be able to score points against Florida. I mean there's no doubt about that. I just don't think they're going to be able to keep up pace scoring with Florida in this game. I mean somebody's got to play devil's advocate. Come on guys. They start calling you the gambler. <laughs> the gambler. I got to know when to hold them and know when to fold them. You know what I'm saying? So I, last week I went one for four and Brad went two for four. That, uh, mm, it's not no, good. It <laughs> uh, was not, you know, as we see week in and week out in the SEC, as daunting as it is, as challenging as it is, upsets happen. Uh, one of the things we love about the SEC and one of the things that, when it comes college football playoff times and, and AP ranking times, they have to take in, as we said in the beginning, strength of schedule. We know there's going to be two and three loss SET, SEC teams that are great. The middle of the pack is still loaded. You still have Alabama. Being Alabama, being at the top, Georgia just under them, everyone else is within a game of one another in a tough season um, other than Vanderbilt. And – you know, everyone is fighting for a bowl game now other than uh Vandy and Ole Miss. So these uh these these last games we've we've got uh 
X amount of weeks. I can't remember what the weeks are, but five games uh, for each team. And as we're going through these bye weeks now, uh, teams are really going to start changing around and, and seeing where they need to strengthen up and, and work on. And these last ones are going to be something to watch and something to remember, I do believe. Things that you haven't seen, streaks that you've seen not broken, like Arkansas busting a 20-game SEC losing streak. Uh, who would have thought it? It's 2020. Anything can happen this year. So one last word I want to get from our special guest, Mr. Eric Hensley. Eric, I want to thank you very much for joining us. I want to uh, share a, a thing I saw the other day on uh, on Twitter. It was a picture of a board, and it looked like maybe it was uh, Georgia's board, and I think I've brought this up again. The amount of uh, – or the percentage and the amount of people – from high school to NFL in football and how low that number goes. And I think it ended up being 1.6% of high school players make it to the NFL. And the purpose of the board was to teach education, uh, to say, get your degree, use your degree, and use this opportunity of this scholarship in a real world scenario and you see so many people who didn't do that. And then you see smart, talented guys like yourself that have gotten their degree and from, from a great college and, and have gone out into the world and used it. And like yourself is, is starting uh, your real estate group and, and now your investment side and, just make things happen for yourself and your family. What is it that drove you into the real estate market? It's it's a dog eat dog out there. Uh, it seems like in the past, you know, ten years, it's gotten much much harder to do. It seems like the changes that you've made here in the in the past years, you've kind of set yourself up for if we kind of have a little downturn in the market. I hope we have a downturn. <laughs> Um, so first of all, I would say this, and I'm, I am a very, uh, if you want to call it left wing of the, the go to college group. So I think they should pay players. I think that school should be optional. <laughs> like I, I, I am a very on that side of the football realm just because of, you know, I've lived it. I know how hard it was to get up and go to engineering class and then go to, you know, two a days. So that would be my first thing is that there's, there's opportunity, uh, you know, all over. Like I know, I know guys who didn't even graduate high school that have gone on to be much more successful than I. So um, that would be my first thing. I'm kind of the wrong side of the track, I guess you could say on that, that, um, but as far as the, the real estate goes, I mean, I got, I got into real estate, um, by chance, honestly, I, uh, was building a house and got recruited by a national home builder. And that was in 2011. And, you know, the market was, you know, not great then and kind of just learned my way up. And then now, um, honestly, the drive is, I want to, you know, I want to own a lot 
lot of different units. I want to help a lot of different people. And, um, you know, the, one of my mentors has told me that, uh, your income is directly reflective of how many people you help and how big of a help you are to those people. So, uh, I want to help millions and millions of people and help them solve very large problems. And that's finding houses or getting rid of a house or uh, providing affordable housing, which is a big thing right now that we're diving into with apartments and uh, stuff of that nature. So that's kind of the goal and what I've been getting into. That is a it's funny that you talked about the left side of that. It's a topic that we have planned um, here in the next probably two weeks. Um and then a little bit more in the off season of should players get paid? How should the funds be distributed with the, with the schools and with the players and so forth? And if a player is getting paid or not, one of the things, and if they're going to the NFL or not, especially those that go into the NFL and, and you know, go to the, to the show is financial management as a requirement through their respective colleges. I it hurts when you see top recruit picks uh file bankruptcy. You know, here in Nashville, we had Vince Young who, you know, had the home, very nice home in the Governor's Club and I'm pretty sure that that uh it was foreclosed on. Um and it's just mismanagement of funds that you think that you know, they think that once they get their signing bonus and their and their paychecks that they, you know, have to go out and and get the biggest house and the nicest cars, and they don't spend that money wisely uh, for the most part of them, and it just hurts their entire future. And it's also they think it's always going to be there. You know, that's the biggest thing is these guys think they're making that type of money, and it's always going to be there. They're never not going to make that money, you know, and that's a big thing that catches up with a lot of them. That is true. All it takes is a bad year or two or an injury and they're out of the show or traded down and end up making league minimum while they're hurt. And uh, $150,000 league minimum does not support the lifestyle that they've chosen for themselves. Eric, I want to thank you again for joining. Thank you for being a, a, a model to those kids that come out of out of college and don't go into uh, an NFL and show that they can make something of themselves and and they can continue to grow their own net worth in a positive uh, manner and give back to the community. I want to thank you so much for that. For myself, Mr. Brad Rush, Mr. Luke Alsup, fans, listeners, have a great week six in the SEC. Ten episodes down, guys. What are you uh are you excited about the rest of the season with that? I can't wait for the basketballs. <laughs> We've got some big games coming up the remainder of the season. Uh uh you know, I think they're they're saving the best for last. Uh yeah, there there's some monster games coming up. So I, I can't wait to to see what's in store. Um I don't know about the rest of you guys, but I'm just gonna sign off by saying Go Gators. You know what my trademark sign-off is? It just means more. Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. 
When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.